you have found the podcast of Trustler Mennonite Church. Each week, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone from our congregation who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. This sermon was from September 19, 2021. The passage was Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. The opening scripture was read by Stephanie Sharp. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So I have never worked at a job that required much of a uniform, and I never played on any sports teams that required uniforms either. The closest I ever had to a uniform was when I was in high school. I worked at a farm market um, owned by a couple in our church, and all of the employees there in the market had blue aprons, so that if somebody was there and they had any questions, they would know who worked there and who was just randomly shopping. And I realized as I was starting this that I don't interact with very many of you and your professional uh, hours. Like, who, who have I seen actually on the job of doing what you do for a living? Stephanie, one of my daughters, or Ruth, was there, and is that it? I, I was trying to think. Um, so I don't know whether you wear uniforms or if you have shirts or jackets or something with the logo of your company or whatever that might be, but um, I suspect at least you have this idea that I can use this as an illustration. Maybe you played sports at some point in school and you wore a uniform. So imagine that you're working at a certain job or, I use jobs, but you could do it with sports. You're working at a certain job the boss gives you a uniform, you wear it, it has the company logo on there, you're dressed in a certain color and you're, you're doing your work. And then one day you quit that job and you take a new one for a new company. And so you would expect that your new boss is going to say, okay, now you have to take off your old uniform and you're going to have to put on a new uniform. Your old uniform marked that you worked for that company with that employer and your New uniform is going to mark who you work for now. So that's completely sensible. So a uniform can mark who we work for or what team we play on, and it shows um, our, our team, our tribe, or whatever. But, but a uniform can do a little bit more than that, too. It's also the way in which you can represent your company. I thought of this that... Emily doesn't wear a uniform of any sort when she goes to work, but there are certain events that she attends in her professional life in which she has, it will also allow you to represent your uniform, to speak, not in your uniform, represent your, your uh, boss and speak on 
your boss's behalf. And so I start this way in, in Colossians chapter 3 because Paul is using clothing as a metaphor. And I, I was just trying to think, how, how do I wrap my head around this? And I think a, a work uniform or a sports uniform works. So last week in chapter 3, when, when Joel was preaching on it, he covered a place where Paul says to take off a lot of things. So he uses that take off metaphor. Uh, he says, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So you used to be working for somebody. You wore their uniform. Take it off. And then he says in verse 10, also from last week, he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So there's certain things that you wore as part of your old uniform. Take it off. Now that you work for somebody else, you're going to wear a new uniform and put it on. And so last week had some depth as to what our old uniforms looked like. And now this week we get some good descriptions of our new uniforms. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. So in this metaphor, since God has hired you to work on his company or drafted you to be part of his team, whatever where you want it, since God has chosen you, you must clothe yourselves, you must put on his uniform, with t- which is tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. So last week Paul described all those things we need to take off, and now he is telling us the things that we need to put on. And he continues. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember... The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And he caps this whole section by saying, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And then he describes, at least it feels to me, he describes a little bit of what unity looks like. He says, Let the peace from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So these verses are very beautiful. They're good things to memorize if you have, have a mind that's able to remember anything anymore. Um, but I wasn't quite sure where to go when I was preaching or preparing to preach the sermon because it's stuff that you have heard. How do I make it in a new light to grab it in a new way so that it isn't just sitting and listening to somebody drone on with the stuff that you've heard a hundred times? Or it might end up being that anyway, but I'll at least try to do it differently. And I decided I'm going to share, I'm going to share two things that God has been trying to teach me over the last couple years that are directly relevant to this part of the passage, and hopefully they'll at least spur your thoughts and maybe maybe give you a place for God to, to, uh, to begin working in you, even if it's not exactly the same way in which he has been working in me. And the first thing I want to do is to try to emphasize just how much unity matters to Jesus. So we, we've been working through these New Testament books here, and we finished the book of Romans not all that long ago. And if you remember, one of the very big themes in the book of Romans was unity between the Jewish and the Gentile believers there at the house churches in Rome. And it's kind of a challenging book. I think we miss some of the challenge sometimes because those particular differences that Paul talks about are not differences that are relevant to us anymore. But Paul is talking about um, 
the idea of sort of laying down some of your own self-interest, sacrificing some of your own uh, freedoms for the sake of others. And it, if you, if you reread Romans 14 especially and add some hot topic that is really dividing churches today, choose, your, choose whatever one you want, and substitute it in there, and all of a sudden you're going to find this passage being a lot more uh, confrontational than it is when we read it with the issues that we're facing that church, because we don't deal with some of the same things that they did then. But Paul was, the point is Paul was focusing on unity between Jewish and Gentile Christians. It mattered to him a lot. The whole book is dealing with this in some capacity or another, it seems like, and it's really focused in on a certain cases, in, especially around chapter 14. But before that, if you remember, we went through First and Second Corinthians. And in First Corinthians, we have chapter 13, which is the passage in which Paul perhaps does his most beautiful um, single chapter about love. It's in the section of talking about different spiritual gifts and different practices, and then he talks about how important it is that we love each other. So we've had 1st 2nd Corinthians and then Romans, and now we're into Colossians, and Paul is saying the same things to get a different church in a different place, but the same kind of themes. He calls them to mutual love, to unity, to forgiveness and humility, and he calls them to live in peace as one body. So I want, I want to stress that it mattered a lot to Paul. But of course, does it matter to Jesus? And I actually thought of exactly the same passage that Andrew and Stephanie did. And so I, I have a few. You heard them already now. But, but Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, meaning the ones then, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. So Jesus wants all of us to be as unified as he and the Father are. I don't know if that's possible. I, I don't know what that even means, but that's what he says. I'll, I'm just going to, you can take it up with him. That's what he says. And why does he want this? so that the world will believe you sent me. So our unity is the way in which the people around us see that Jesus came from the Father. That's a little bit thought-provoking. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. And then he says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So I, it's, God has been sort of impressing upon my mind this idea, how will the world know that Jesus was sent by the Father, by the unity of Christians? And how will the world know how much God loves them? By the unity of Christians. So... I don't know exactly what, what this all means. I think evangelism that arises out of disunity is going to be hobbled right from the start. I'm not going to say God can't work through all sorts of, of amazing ways. He is a, a master at redeeming difficult situations and working with imperfect people. But, but Jesus seems to be saying that the unity of the body is a really important part of the world knowing who Jesus is and how much the Father loves them. 
So that's the first thing that, was sort of, that God's been teaching me, and it seems to pull right out of this passage, that, that unity matters to Jesus. Then the second thing is, is that the church is bigger than this room, and we know that, but, but when we think on terms of church unity, it's often, at least for me, maybe, maybe it's only me that had this problem, but often I think of one congregation, that this body here, God wants us to be one, he wants us to be unified, but I was reminded over and over over this last little while, and then more so this past week when I was preparing for this, that the body is bigger than just one congregation. And so God wants unity across the whole body. And so if, if we go back to Jesus' words, if the world knows that the Father sent him, the world knows how much the Father loves him by the unity, then what does this, this mean? I have a chance to, over the years, to visit some of the older people, and I've heard some, some stories about unity or not within the Mennonite churches in this area, and it sounds like there has been a tremendous amount of growth there. And yet, there is still some, some room for growth, I think. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say anything negative there. I think there's some tremendous growth there. But I thought, you know what? We don't have perfect unity with the other Mennonite churches in the area, even though when I meet with John David or Sean or whoever, the differences between our congregations are really small when, in the big scheme of things. And yet, there's a little bit of... How do, we, how do we have unity with another congregation? But the world will know who Jesus is and how much the Father loves him that way. But then I thought, wait a minute, th- th- we're really similar with them. If you drive around Sussex County, you'll see a gazillion Methodist churches. I, I thought of them partly because of that reason. They're all over the place and partly because Emily's family um, on her dad's side grew up in the Methodist church. So there's some conversation there. You get some bigger differences than you do with just the other Mennonite churches in the area. What does unity look like? Then I thought, well, if I'm, if I'm thinking about driving around, I also see a lot of AME churches, African Methodist Episcopal, and I don't even know anything about them, so I Googled them. And if you read what they say on many of their websites and on the denominational website, it's very similar to what we would say what we might write. But I can also tell that there would be areas of difference there, that it would be even bigger than a lot of the Sussex County United Methodist churches that are sitting around. But what does unity look like? So if the world knows who Jesus is and how much God loves them because of the unity of the body, that has to include not just this room, but other congregations around us in our community, across color lines, also across national lines, and there you get into congregations that I don't know anything about. But that's, that's kind of what God has been speaking to me, and I don't have clear answers. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know, I don't know much, but except that God has been saying, unity matters to me a lot, and not just in one room, but in the whole body. So some capacity, we need to show the world that we love our brothers and sisters, even in different congregations and different denominations, that we respect the things that matter to them, even if they don't quite 
seem to uh, be as relevant to us in some capacity that our words and our actions show love to the world because that's how the world will see Jesus. So unity matters to Jesus, and unity is bigger than just one room. Now on for the rest of the verses in our passage. Paul writes, he says, Let the message from Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. When I first read this, I thought, wow, this is an interesting command. And then it began to sink in. I don't know that we should read this as a command. I mean, the way he phrases it, yes, it's something we should do. But this is something that happens, I think, I think I'm fair to say this, this is something that happens when there is love and unity. When people love each other, when they are united, they will teach and counsel and sing. I, I thought of my daughters, I don't know how much they like to get mentioned, but I had a, a nice example of what unity looks like right before school started. They're both going to new schools, the way the, their ages work out. So Ruth is going to the middle school where Irene was just at for three years. Ruth's She's been in the building, but that's about it. Didn't know where anything was. So they sat down at the table with a map, and Irene was going through each of her classes and saying, okay, this is where it's at. This is the best way to get from one room to the next. Whoever made that map did not put the stairways on it, which made it a really useless map. So Irene was saying, okay, right here is where the stairs are, so if you have to get from the first floor to the second floor, you better come here and not not go looking somewhere else. And I just thought, you know, when there's unity there, the natural thing was for one to teach and the other to learn. In that situation, it went one way, but when there is unity, it goes the other way as well. So this kind of teaching and counseling back and forth happens naturally when there's unity. But music is usually a part of people's lives as well when there is love and unity. So again, thinking of them as an example, we've got a record player Um, Well, we had a record player that we broke back in the spring, so we got another one. And we also acquired some 45s along the way. And so they like to play them and to to spin them and to dance around the room and enjoy what they do. And sometimes we have records they don't like, so they'll put the 33s on at 78 and make them better. But um, this is what happens when people are filled with love and unity. They sing. They celebrate. Everybody's a little different. People like Leslie might do it more than somebody like me, but it is, it's part of what happens. So don't read this as a command and say, okay, I have got to go and sing some psalms and hymns. Instead, if you don't want to, let God speak to you about where there is some disunity in your life, why you don't feel joy welling up in you when you are around these people. So now we have one last verse, verse 17, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And I think we can go all the way back to that opening metaphor of the uniform for the work uniform. Now that we have a new boss, we should wear a new uniform. It's going to look like tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. But also, 
when we work for a new boss and we put on this new uniform and we're wearing that logo, we become representatives of that company, of our employer. I don't know if you ever walked into a place, it's a guy behind the desk and he looks kind of sloppy and he's really rude and he's kind of speaking crassly into the phone with somebody. And you, at least if you're me, you start to think, the guy who hired them must be an idiot. You don't just think about the guy behind the desk being a jerk. You think about the guy who hired him and the people who run the company. We represent our employers when we're wearing their uniforms. And so we as Christians, we represent Jesus. And, and it goes both ways, positive or negative. But, but Paul, Paul is writing this in a positive way, and that's how I want to end it. When we live with unity, with love, when we are clothed with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, when this is who we are and this is what we're wearing, everybody looking at us sees Jesus. And that's a good thing. So whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from September 19, 2021. The passage was from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Take care.